0: Course is a slick nature. They took our resources and gave us biblical pages. We took it for standard, though we've been sitting for ages. Made us fear the of commandments
1: while just in courageously. Life is a joke, and we're living in this parody here. Siding with
0: hope and makes us use to see this parody fit. Excuse the triple entendre, but see this pirate is quick He doesn't speak for the powerless, but the powerless ear Welcome to the thinker talks podcast, the only place where conversations make you think get ready for this one yet another episode see you in there alone from the range i was not alone when they told me the ring star i know about the world like i learned what my name was till i learned the truth that the world really named us i was all alone alone from the range i was not alone when they told me the ring star i know about the world like i learned what my name was so guys welcome The Thinkaroo Talks podcast. I am your humble host, Harry Uda. You can call me Trevor Harold, whatever you like. It's all good. Today I've got a very, very interesting guest, an interesting episode overall for you. I've got my friend, my really good, good friend, my brother, even uh, Mr. Aaron Spencer. How are you, brother? Not bad. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, yes. I'm I'm (laughs) buzzing for this. Uh, We've been trying to get this put this together for, th- for the best part of a year, mm. I'd say, but for whatever reason, just hasn't worked out <laughs> up until now. And um, I'm really excited to get into this man's head. So Aaron is, this, uh, is the founder of uh, Small Square and Social Buff. And we're gonna find out all about those two brands in a few moments. <laughs> um, one of the reasons he's so interesting is I see him as a marketing whiz, but he seems to just have this innate ability to, to 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 tell stories, to 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 be able to build build a brand, to to communicate a vision, and that's one of the things I admire about him, which is one of the many reasons that we're sitting down here. So, yeah, over to you, Aaron. Uh, <coughs> would you like to introduce yourself? In your own words, to our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah
1: so my name is Aaron Spencer. Aaron Spencer Higgins. Um, I uh, was born in London, uh, and I grew up in in Ireland. Um, I started many businesses in my life. Um, some that went well, and some that didn't go so well. Mm. Um, but uh, my two most recent ventures are client service businesses. Mm. Uh, so those that are not as uh, exciting as uh, as as many others may seem. Um, uh, social Buff and Small Square. Um, social Buff is a is a client service business um, for uh, social media. Um, so we consult, design, and execute on social media strategies. Um, both for personal brands and for businesses um, to achieve results. Um, and uh, Small Square is a bit more uh, unique, a bit more obscure. Um, so, that's an agency specializing in voice. Um, and what we do there is that we um, strategize, design, and consult for voice user interface design. And what does that mean? It means that. I am um, just going <laughs> to. Ask that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It basically means that we. Uh, create voice experiences on Alexa on Google Home and on um, other platforms um, that are voice first i e voice based hmm. so um, yeah uh, that's basically uh, what what small square does and what social buff does yeah right, on, on, right. on a macro
0: level interesting, so I want to get into i get i guess the nuts and bolts of you mm-hmm. know small square and social buff but I want you to, to like throw back to the very first, your very first venture into, mm. I guess, the world of entrepreneurship. <coughs> yeah. And, um, first of all, just for the listeners' sake, how old are you? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah. And how old were you when you embarked on your first entrepreneurial journey?
1: Um, it's hard to say. Uh, I'd say the, prop- the first proper entrepreneurial journey I had was when I was thirteen. Mm. Um, but I've been, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like, how do you describe an entrepreneur? Really, like, for example, I remember when I was like seven or eight years old, I used to like start businesses like in my in my room and get like my parent like get, like At seven yeah like seven or eight like start businesses like in my room and like 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 get my parents to like buy stuff from me and like sell a little stores and like like lemonade stand sort of ideas mm. and, and and like all this sort of an analyzing you know okay like oh i've got games that i want to sell and i'll sell them on and i'll buy stuff from one person sell them onto another like all that sort of stuff and i did it for a while and then i and then i sort of discovered computers and discovered the internet and i, I i'm not much of a coder i'm not much of like a computer nerd in that sense where like i can't like code out like websites and mm. stuff like that mm, mm. but I, I i can i can I don't need to because I can see like the like the visual what you see is what you get sort of side mm, of things mm, mm. um so i um I started websites i so I built my own personal website I didn't put anything interesting on there I just like put links on there and and photos and random stuff when I was in primary school, which was like when I was like eight or seven or eight or nine um and uh, And i didn't really do anything with it. It was one of these website builder things. I think it was uh, by Microsoft at the time mm. they did something okay. um, and then I started building websites using website builders and I did it for other people. I did it for um, family friends and i didn 't do it for any money. I just built out things and and I just used the resources that were there that made it really easy. So it was as if I was creating like a Word document like it became that easy. Mm. Um, you know all these website builders that and yeah, and I did it for fun um, and, you know, uh, and then when I was 13, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to do this for other businesses. And the reason why I,
0: I at find 13, at I, 13. I just want to I, I emphasize that. <laughs> so, so you mentioned, I mean, there's a, there's a time frame there. So yeah. kind of 7 to 13. Yeah. So you go from creating your own website, using yeah. one of these website builders, and you start doing yeah. it for, you know, family and friends. Yeah. What, 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 how do you persuade them to <laughs> let you take that on? Uh-huh. as, you know, you're, you're effectively still a child. Yeah, yeah. Of, so what, what, what's that conversation like? What's that um,
1: conversation like? It was always like, uh, okay, I'm going to do it for you, and I'm going to do it for nothing, and if you like what you see, take it. If you don't like it, then don't take it. And I sort of had the, that confidence at a very young age that I could do it, hmm. uh, and if you didn't like it, then I wouldn't be offended by it, so be it, and don't take it. Um, and hmm. I, w- I was very proactive, so I was very like, okay, you want something? Hmm. I, didn't, I didn't. go through proposals. I didn't go through you know documents or whatever hmm. else. Hmm. I just it was very simplistic. It was very much like, okay, you want it? Okay, here it is. It would be you know almost immediately after our conversation, I'd start and I would finish off like a, a beta, uh, or like a, like the first like drafts, and then I would like produce it and the reason why is that you know i didn't I,
0: even know what beta meant at beta's yeah like at, at, at age yeah. 9 no yeah. sorry no <laughs> but like yeah. right right yeah. No, well it's no, funny because the, the,
1: the reason why i knew what beta was is that almost every tool that i was using i remember like picnic was one tool that like you can edit images on that's now gone um, well, actually, a lot of the guys that started Picnic started PicMonkey. I don't know if anyone knows anyone uh, knows about that image editor, which is quite good. Um, but every tool that I was using, every resource that I was using, from free webs to Picnik to every every resource that I was using mm. back when back when I was starting my first websites. Uh, were all in beta. So I had to look that up. I was like, what is beta? Like, does that right. I mean it's a company? I didn't, I didn't know like, um, but yeah, I mean the reason why I'd say my first proper, like I was building websites and they were a bit gimmicky. They would, put, they would tell me what stuff to go on and I would use website builders and I would mm. just do it, you know, and you know, they could have done it themselves and all I was doing was saving them time. So doing what a seven year old could do with doing it for them and when I say seven, like, I started my first website when I was seven, but it wasn't really, it wasn't, it was terrible, like, there wasn't anything on it. Mm. And it was just where I started, and I sort of just left it, mm. uh, and then do, did, did usual kid stuff as well. Um, but I guess it was when I was, like, 12, 13. When I was 12 and a half, coming up to 13, mm. I uh, did an internship, quote-unquote, in, in my uncle's company. Okay, and what,
0: what was the company?
1: It was called SCF Group. Okay. and it was a corporate management law consulting taxpaying firm okay and uh, i had no idea what 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 they did um, i knew like parts of what they did but i could never really like identify like like what's the value here it's not like they were selling pens or water mm. bottles like it was very obscure and it still is today cuz i'm mm. sort of like you know they they offered did they they do so many different things um, but i was able to go into their business and i was able to evaluate you know what they were doing in terms of marketing and what I believe that they should have been doing in marketing. Hmm. Um, so I came up with a few strategies. Uh, at, I, at, at age 13. 13, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I sort of like went on and, and figured out, OK, well, this website says this. I think you should say this instead. Hmm. Uh, I planned out search campaigns, figured out what worked, what didn't work. Uh, and from a very early age, I always had this like bit of intuition about how you should do things on, online, in, in in like a digital marketing sense, and it hmm. it was just there was just no barrier to entry there. Like hmm. it, it was just, you, you, if you were interested in it and you were and you had the tools and resources, you could start. Mm. So it was like an immediate starting point for me. It was something that I could do. It's something that I could do very easily. It's something that I was good at, something I was interested in, mm-hmm. and something that I could offer to other people. Mm-hmm. So when I started consulting, ugh, consulting, when I, when I, I, I mean, was 13, yeah, yeah, yeah consulting. In, in a yeah. way, in a yeah. way. like, mm-hmm. But like you know, advising and advising on new websites, I was able to sort of change the direction of, of, of certain... Uh, subsidiary companies that they were building, and and I was able to like influence a lot of the design and creatives, and 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 how to plan out campaigns, and who they should hire and who they shouldn't hire in an agency sense.
0: Okay, I, I mean this this is very fascinating, right? <laughs> and one of the things that's most fascinating about this is you say it very casually, very matter of fact. <laughs> but I I want to just mm. bring everyone's attention back to the fact that you were thirteen. Yeah. So, yes you had started playing around with mm-hmm. you know, branding and stuff mm-hmm. b- between ages seven to 13, yeah. but now you're in an established you know, company, mm-hmm. right? You're doing this internship, Yes, it's your uncle's company, but I mean, it's still, it's an actual place of business, yeah. right? Um, most 13 year olds mm-hmm. would be, would feel very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They would feel intimidated yeah. Even even if they had that track record of having done X, Y, Z mm. for close family and friends, yeah. all of a sudden you're in a you're in a business, yeah. the, a, a place of business, mm-hmm. an establishment. You can see the walls and their actual <laughs> employees and people on payroll. Yeah. How, how does that not freak you out as a thirteen year old? Um. I, I, I mean, yeah. you are here advising on strategy, research campaigns. I, I think it was like a blissful ignorance,
1: hmm. and it was just. It was going in and without a care in the world really, and with so much ignorance about the world, about the business world, about everything around me and I just went in as as if I was do as if I wanted to start my own website again and how I would market it so um, i I did, I did a lot of research, and we got to you know we 're living in an age, and we lived in an age back then as well, you know that wasn 't a long time that quite a long time ago this is about 10 years ago now so what 2008 2009 Mm -hmm. Um, back then we still lived in an age where you know there was a ton of information online Mm. um, and you could learn anything and everything and scale it pretty fast Mm. so you know if you know My uncle would have a meeting and he would go, okay, so we need to start marketing this. And I would just literally Google how to market a website. Mm. And one of the first things that came up on that was a thing called search engine optimization, SEO. And um, I decided, okay, what is SEO? It's how to make your website more attractive to search engines in order to rank higher. So, Mm. you know, some websites rank on the first page, Mm -hmm. some websites rank on the fourth page Mm -hmm. um, or rank on the 12th 12th page, depending Mm. on how much content you have, how much backlinks and all the rest, et cetera, et cetera. And I investigated that when I was 13 and I was like, okay, I could definitely do this. And uh, I set up a company called Ranking Solutions.
2: Okay, we
0: just (laughs) gotta chill here for (laughs) a second. Okay, so not only do you start playing around with your own websites at Mm -hmm. age seven. Mm -hmm. Age 13, you go into your uncle's company. Yeah. And you essentially start to uh, advise on strategy. Yeah. Right. And then you find out about SEO, Mm -hmm. search engine optimization. Yeah. And still, as a (laughs) 13-year-old kid, you decide, you know what? I want to set up my own SEO company. Yeah. Now, can you walk me through the process? So starting from the moment where you realize, Mm -hmm. well, I could probably, you know, turn this skill, if Mm. I were to research it, I could turn this into a skill and turn Mm. that into a company and, you Mm. know, um, offer this service to, you know, potential clients, what is that, because I I don't want to sort of just gloss over just how interesting, Mm. um, you know, this really is what's the first step so you've done your initial kind of research Mm -hmm. you know what SEO is um, and you think okay yeah I can do that Mm -hmm. what comes next because you are just 13 and you don't have I mean you're limited Mm -hmm. in the level of autonomy the level of independence that you have so how how do you how do you go from I think I can do this Mm -hmm. to actually setting up ranking solutions yeah I, I mean I, 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 need, I need I need you to give me the, <coughs> give me the dirt on that because, yep. because I I think it's very important that people people see or are able to conceptualize mm-hmm. just the the evolutionary process
1: yeah i think once again it was blissful ignorance i think people overthink things when they start businesses they mm. they, they do too much analysis they do too much research they tend days and oh well i need to learn this 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 mm. and what people do is they set up barriers for themselves mm. so they don't allow themselves to, to to take a look at something they don't and start it uh, and it says you know you could literally start pretty much any business you want today mm. but you're creating barriers for yourself you know you don't need to have a PhD in marketing to start a marketing business. You don't mm. need a PhD in, you know, whatever to start whatever. You don't, I mean, there are certain professions, obviously, that where you need to be qualified, mm-hmm. uh, like accountancy, l- lawyers, doctors, etc. Mm. And uh, you should certainly know your craft. Mm. Um, but I, I think people set up too many barriers for themselves. Um, so if you want to start and, and so, yeah, so it was blissful ignorance, you know, well, why can't I do this? Okay. There's no reason why I can't do this. Uh, okay. So I'll just start and learn and just learn along the way. And you know, I had no idea what a limited company was. I had no idea how to start a company. Mm. I had no idea. I, I knew how to start a website. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I knew how to start, I knew how to do a logo from image editors. I knew how to, I knew how, obviously I know how to write. And, uh, and what I did was I said, okay, well, how about I just get sales and I'll just outsource to someone else until I learn it myself. So I just started. Okay. And that's the key. So I just started. So having that blissful ignorance was so great. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. um, put up these, you know, oh, I sh-, they create steps for themselves mm-hmm. prior to making the first step of actually starting their business and what they don't realize is that actually those steps that they're making are actually stopping them from ever actually doing it whether it's i need to read six books in order to these six books in order to start it mm. or i need to read you know do this course or i need to take these lessons or i need to contact this person or whatever mm. Mm. um i think the key is is just to uh you know fasten your boots and get going um and learn along the way if you have to um right Okay. And, that's, and, that's, and, and and honestly, that was the best thing, the best thing I could have done at 13 was to do that and the reason why is because it shows that someone with no marketing experience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, barely in his second uh, year of secondary school or mm. high school, um, know someone who, you know, fiddled around with website builders that were basically like games um, and basically, you know, knew how to use a computer, could start a successful marketing business. Without age, reading any books at, you know, at age 13, thirteen, without reading any marketing books right. and just and just learning content that he found online on the way, so literally you can search how to build a website, and a page will come up that will show you how to build a website mm. if you want to, if you want to know how to know how to do SEO there's a page that will show you how to how to do SEO okay, how do you get clients to your SEO business? There are tons of blog posts out there, and you just got to do it um, I need to persevere, and i didn't give up because again I was it was blissful ignorance at the beginning. I thought it was going to be super easy to, mm. to, to get clients. And then I easily and I quickly found out that it was actually very quite hard to do. Um, and then I just knocked on doors. And okay, I... OK, OK, I we need to bring that back. Hold, yeah. hold on a second, uh-huh. hold
0: on a second. So you decide I'm doing this blissful ignorance. Yeah. How, how hard could this possibly be? Uh-huh. How do you go about getting your first client? Because first of all, how do you... Do you you register the company then, you mm-hmm. know, and did you did you have to um, get the help from a family member? Yes, yeah, so um, you know. Yeah. So you register the company then. How do you get your first client? Because I mean, you are thirteen. Yeah. How do you get them to take you seriously?
1: Yeah. Um. Um. So yeah. So what I did was is that I position myself as a sole trader, so I didn't have to, because I was scared of doing any accountancy stuff. Mm. Because you know, it, it was it was a huge learning curve in order to figure out you know what type of business does this, and what type what type do I need, and what do I need to comply by, and that's and mm. that's still quite daunting today, you know. Mm. And you know, uh, it's it's quite it makes a lot of business people nervous that they have to do their accounts by X Y Z date. They need to submit this to this. They need to mm-hmm. do this with Companies house or CRO or. Or the whatever tax agency are in the country. Mm. Um, so I just positioned myself as a sole trader, which was was pretty simple, and and did a lot of research on that. But also, my uncle ran a business that started businesses. So he ran a business okay. that start that did company formation. So if I needed any help from mm. that regard, mm. I he, like he would definitely help me, and I, he was a huge support um, and a, a huge uh, huge influence and huge inspiration as well. And so mm. was my so was my grandfather, and um, I yeah i mean that's basically how i how i started up and you asked another question that i think i forgot
0: how did you get (laughs) your first client how did i get my first client yeah okay it's hard enough to get prospective clients to take you seriously as an adult yeah as a 13 year old i I would imagine you know it's probably (laughs) Mm -hmm. a little more tedious yeah oh no big
1: time but the, the great thing about the Internet is, is that you can hide behind a computer screen and pretend to be someone that you're not. Now, mm. what I mean by pretend to be someone you're not, I don't mean that in a sleazy way. I don't mean that in, a, in a, you know changing my name and pretending to be you know Joe Blogs, who's sixty years old. Right You're able to what what I mean by that is you have to hide certain things. So I didn't reveal my age. I didn't have a profile photo of me. I hid behind my logo mm. and I hid behind the email address that I used. Right So I had live chat and email address, and I rarely made any calls. Which is probably the probably probably the reason why it didn't, you know, become a multi multi million pound company. But like it was just, I I did have to hide the age. I did have to hide my my high pitched voice. You know, mm-hmm. I did have to, um, yeah. So I did have to sort of conceal and and sort of shape an identity online that was quite different. So mm-hmm. my. My internet identity when I was 13 and my identity when I was at school mm. was, was sort of very different. And it was something that I, I, I actually quite struggled with um, for a while. And probably we'll talk about it later. But yeah, um, yeah so, and then how did I get my first client? Um, I actually did knock on doors. Uh, I actually did go into businesses and I struck up conversations in such a way where, you know, I said, Oh, you yeah, have such a cool website. Are you, are you driving traffic to that? Like, how is that coming along? I used to start. Um, this is all
0: via email. Well, actually, no.
1: This was in person, actually, quite frankly. Huh. So that was actually there was only three or four occasions that I actually did that. Okay. Um, so and that sort of got me in the door with the first clients. And um, okay, after so that,
0: yeah. I, I just want to drill drill yeah. into this. So walk me through the first time you have to go like physically. Knocking on the door. Yeah. Right. So
1: what I what I mean by that is that I went into a uh, a tea uh, a tea shop. Yeah. And they and they sold specialist teas. And um, I walked in and I was looking at the, their tea. Hmm. And I and I didn't go in with the with the with the purpose. They they li- they were at the time they were they were near uh, where my grandparents lived in London. So I, I went into their store, and I was looking around, and I got talking to the owner, and I tried a few teas with him, and he liked me, I liked him, like, it was very, like, nice, we chatted. Did he um, know
0: you were 13?
1: Yeah, no, he probably did. He probably thought mm-hmm. I was, like, 15 or 16, probably, okay. you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't really matter, but it was just, like, a nice conversation. I, bought, uh, I think I bought a packet of tea, and I said, so, you have an awesome... Website because I looked at the website prior just because mm. I was interested you mm. know I wanted to see what they did because mm. they were right next to where I lived mm. and um, and he was like yeah yeah it's all right like it was you know it was it was pretty but you know we just have it there for the sake of it and I was thinking oh it's funny because you know I'm sure that it's a great opportunity the internet's such a big thing like I'm sure people would buy teas online. Hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, absolutely,, you know, and then you know we got talking about you know people buying stuff online and how people are going to be buying stuff on their mobile phone, and a, a big disagreement we had was that I believe that people were going to be buying products and services on their phone hmm. just as much as they would on their computer hmm. and obviously now that 's totally true, but he right. said, No way, no way would people enter their credit cards and go through all that to, to shop, um, but anyway, he, he saw that I was quite uh, passionate about about talking about marketing, and talking about selling online. I wouldn't even want marketing, just selling online and stuff like that. Selling online, right. And it sparked a conversation, and from there I was able to, you know, and I I basically provided a lot of value, Mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed to prove myself. Okay, interesting. The huge chip on my shoulder was that I was a kid. Mm. And I I knew that very well. I was very self-aware about it. I'm quite self-conscious about that, to be honest with you. Mm. That I was, you know, I didn't want to be a kid. I wanted to be taken seriously, because I knew that I could deliver. Mm. And uh, I said, listen, you know, if you want some help, I can ha- truly help out. And, you know, I did a lot of stuff, you know, for free and I provided a lot of value and I just played just the normal kid. And, you know, they got a lot of value out, out of me through conversations and through things that I did for them. And then they ended up becoming my first client that was outside of the family,
0: Ooh. you know? That was a huge milestone.
1: Yeah, big time. So that was a huge day for me. Mm. Um, and it was only, I think it was only like 300 pounds a month. But back then, it was, you know. I mean, it even, was a, even now, it was the, in yeah,
0: 2018, I mean, yeah, Yeah, you know.
1: it, it was the excitement of getting a client and having someone outside the family pay you to actually do something that would, yeah. drive, would drive value to them. Because no one outside the family would give you money for a service unless you actually did something about it, a- right?
0: Absolutely, um, absolutely.
1: So yeah, it was a proud moment, and it was great. And um, they, were my, they were my client for, for a number of months. And, uh, and then when I completed the service, they were like, yeah, awesome, and then that was it. Um, and that was my first... Uh
0: Interesting, so I want to come in there, right? So you, yeah. get, you get this, your first paying client, mm-hmm. and you're filled with this like sense of pride, accomplishment, mm-hmm. you know, there's some momentum yeah, yeah, yeah. building up now, right? Yeah. And, you know, you, you finish the assignment. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want you to, I want to talk about the end of that assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, were you hoping to, I guess undertake a new assignment, or was it? Did you have a clear understanding that well, this I'm going to provide a service for Mm -hmm. x amount of time, (laughs) and after that, I'm going to try and leverage this to get something else. I where or yeah, had you hoped to have been retained? Was there like no? Because I mean, I would
1: never, I would never take. I could have easily, right? I could have easily a charged them more, and I knew at that time. Mm. B took them on for longer, C, convinced them to stay on for longer with the service. Mm. But, you know, back then I was very like, no, like, and still am today, you know, I would never sell someone something in my client service businesses that did not provide value to them. Mm. Their ROI, their return on investment, Mm. both the time their money needs to be, you know, 10 times plus, hopefully 50, 60 times plus what I charge them. Uh, Even the short run or the long run, so I wanted to make sure that you know every penny they spent was being put to good use, and i didn 't want to just keep them on for the sake of making me money. I was not that sort of
0: very interesting um
1: yeah, so I had a lot of i you know and that was that was drilled into me by family and obviously you know, i i I would hate to go around um i guess. Spamming or scamming people mm. um, or being very dishonest and mm. there's a lot of dishonesty, especially in the marketing industry mm. um, and that's something that i that I didn't want to be a part of and and, and you know i did a leave you know we'll talk about that deal in particular, but overall in the macro of that first venture mm. uh, I did leave a crazy amount of money on the on the table uh, in the sense that you know i didn't upsell i didn't do this i didn't do that you know i didn't ask for this i didn't ask for that and was just ignorance and that was just the learning curves and you know i i I learned that and i realized that on my journey Mm. and i was able to learn that stuff early on Mm. um and bear in mind i wasn't reading any business books uh yet and i wasn't you know yeah i was just playing by ear exactly i mean i was learning by doing Mm. you know okay how do i do this search it up okay do it you Mm. know it was there was no excuses there um and there was no barriers because i didn't create any barriers for myself Mm. i found something that was cool i found something that i could like Mm. created a a company name created a logo created a Mm. website which Mm. is you know you could create a logo website company name domain name all of this Mm. everything that i did in not a day in probably like two hours plus content right Mm. i mean like you can create a website in 45 minutes uh and have it set up and live and then it would probably take you an hour or two hours to, to do up the content and do it how you
0: like. Being realistic, if it's your first time. Um, but is that is that is that you know Aaron, who has been doing this since he was seven, or you know, is this genuinely something you know that is accessible to this is I mean you today know, most people I mean, to, with at least your nominal <laughs> yeah. kind of computer literacy. Think about think about I mean I'm, I'm I'm quite ignorant about this as well, but
1: how I mean, prior to the internet age, how would someone start a business? And the, if you, let's say you want to start a cons- management consulting business, you wanted to consult for businesses that wanted to grow. Mm. So you'd have to go to your local post office or go to your local business center, pick up forms, fill them all out. Send them off, pay payloads of money, wait weeks, mm. go into banks with, with your smart up suit, try picture idea, mm. um, then try get a loan and try do this, and try do that. OK, Now you need to brand yourself. you need to get you know a specialist printing company designers all the rest, and there was so much money, it took so much time, there was mm. so much, there were so many barriers, mm. and, uh, and then you needed to market it, so either you'd have to go out and hand out flyers, or you'd have to go to your local newspaper, mm. and that cost a hell of a lot of money, because they just, you know, they, they knew they had all the attention at the time, and they could leverage that attention, you know, so, um, so they charged a lot of money, so I think that back then there was so much, there were so many barriers, mm. and today, Mm. You know, you could literally do everything that required four months of work mm. in you know forty-eight hours, twenty-four hours. Right. I right. mean, I, and and if you have an idea to create a, an app that would take millions of pounds mm. to build, mm. you can still start today. You can still because, by the way, I mean, okay. Let's say you need millions of pounds. Okay, so. E, a you either need to start selling something, build, right. build a foundation, okay. B you need to uh, raise money, or C you need to loan money, so you need to ask a bank for money, or, or try, get, try get a loan. Um, and still applies today, but you can, that does not mean, that, that in itself is a barrier, mm. but that barrier doesn't stop you from doing things prior so i think that people think too much in the oh yeah i want to start this out but i don't have any money Mm. but you could totally start and make progress to build that up today right without you know okay so you know how much is your bag cost oh this was 400 pounds oh how much did this cost this was this amount how much was your how much was your nando's today 30 quid like it's just ridiculous Mm. you know
0: very interesting okay so i want to create a very clear timeline mm-hmm. so ranking solutions yeah get your first client mm-hmm. and i suppose then you you know that f- gives you a boost there's some momentum there what's the next major step for you along this journey
1: yeah so a year later i decided that i wanted to be i wanted to create a company that made me super rich <laughs> right and this was again blissful ignorance and this was like teenage me. So I was like 14, 15 at this time. Mm. And about 15, about 14 and a half, 15, I was like, yeah, uh, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. And I basically sold um, the business. And what I mean by that, I mean the clients, the business model, outsourcing to people in Malaysia, the um, logo, website, everything, everything that the company entailed, mm. package it all up and sell it. Hmm. and I sold it to a guy based in Lancashire hmm. and um, he also ran a digital marketing agency okay and he rebranded his company to ranking solutions Mm. okay so I think they were called like ad click media or clicky media or mm-hmm. something like that mm. and he basically took my website took the, my logo, my name, everything. I mean, mm. uh, what I mean by, sorry, my, my company name, not yeah, my, my own name, yeah. and basically um, made his company Ranking Solutions, mm. and um, and yeah, it still operates today. It's, mm. uh, they hire, I think, 15, 20 people. Right. Uh, they used my model for quite a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I'm not exactly sure. And uh, I think they're I think they're still operating, they're still based in Lancashire. Mm. I think. And I think they recently, only in the past six, eight months, I always, I go on their website every now and again, just out of interest to right. see how things are going. Right. Um, I don't really communicate with the founder anymore, um, but uh, I think they're rebranded now to RS Digital or something like that, mm, and, okay. and yeah, no, they're going well. Um, so yeah, so I sold that at 14, 14, maybe 15, I can't really remember. And at fifteen, I decided, okay, I wanted to create a business that um, offered a software or a system or something that would make me money without me having to put in loads of work from a client service perspective. Hmm, And what this means is, is that I didn't want to, I wouldn't want someone to pay me and then pay me for my time and then to produce something based on that and then. That, that would be the end product. So mm. the business model that ranking solutions the agency had would was basically that I, you know, would someone would pay me for you know, okay, I'll do you know, 12 hours of work for you, or my guy in Malaysia would be 12, do 12 hours of work with you, and I'll be the middleman, and then I would produce something, and it was it was very labor intensive, mm. and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create something that yeah it would be labor intensive in the sense of building the actual platform and the softwares. Mm-hmm. But not labor intensive um, to the point where I would have to deal with the micro of every client and the micro of every problem. So I started a company called AHA. Um, a- A-ha. AHA. Yeah. A Y H A. And A-Y-H-A. I don't know why A-Y-H-A. I chose A-Y-H-A. that name. Right. Um, but it was a short name, and I wanted to start something a bit different, a bit unique. Um, so I started something called an ad network. Um, and I was basically buying and selling banner ads across the internet. Uh, and so I hired a developer in India, mm-hmm. and I used all the money that I made from the sale of ranking solutions mm-hmm. to build a platform that would run ads on the internet. And what this means is that um, advertisers, people who wanted to advertise their business, would mm. upload banners Hmm. and um, basically like text ads they would go into the system Hmm. and it would try to figure out what websites are best for that banner ad okay and then it would connect them with publishers as in publishers what i mean by that is in websites who advertise who put ads on On the website okay so you know let's say if you had a lawnmower company um, you could put put a banner ad for a lawnmower and it would go in onto the network and it would be put on gardening websites but it would the system would do it all, 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 automatically so it was all like a big automated system
0: interesting so like um, almost like an automated matching system yeah basically but ah. it was
1: at scale and and there were, and there, by the way there there were there were, there were many of these I, this was not like a unique idea or anything like that but mm. I just wanted to start my own um and uh it was a a massive learning curve you know I didn't know how I didn't know any PHP I didn't know any Cody I didn't know how I know I, I was one of the few people who start businesses like this at an early age with no technical knowledge and no technical experience I see. and that was a huge huge problem and that's why today anytime I see businesses starting up that are in the technology space without a CTO
2: hmm.
1: I think, oh my God, like there's so often do you see people graduating from business and economics or business and this and business right. um, with no technical skills whatsoever. Mm. And you see like a group of them or like four or five of them and mm. they're all starting a, a technology company. Right. Oh, so how's it going to work? Oh, yeah, we're going to hire people, but they don't know the micro of their business. They only know the right. micro. And this so was something you learned at four Exactly, Exactly. Because, because I was stuck in the macro. Right And I just sort of said, "Okay, here's what I want mm. and I gave him designs, and I gave him everything and uh and then he just went out and produced stuff and it looked good, mm. but it didn't actually work because uh, because i couldn't see the back end of i couldn't understand the back end of what, what was happening right so I thought that yeah, everything was running pretty smoothly, and if some, there's a problem, then I contact him so I was outsourcing too much i didn't have a fifty fifty split with someone who uh understood the
0: technical side of things and what was that dynamic like i mean was there tension building up then on account of this you could say discord what what was, yeah. what was the developers um, attitude towards you knowing that you didn't know the idiosyncrasies of of yeah. uh, this business
1: um i would say that he took advantage of the fact, big time, that I, didn't, uh, that I didn't fully understand everything that was going on behind the scenes. Hmm. I think that he um, built something that worked on a basic level, okay. on, a, on, on a surface level, but he knew himself that it was not an operation that could sustain itself. Hmm. As in it could sustain a few thousand impressions, a few thousand people looking at the banner ads, but anymore it would just crash hmm. and he knew that it was full of bugs, he knew that it was full of errors, he knew that there was there was many problems and many issues, and yet there was nothing that you know i you could that, that, I, that I could do about it personally, and because he knew the idiosyncrasies and the actual back end and the micro of what was going on mm. that i the other developers would go in and go i don't really know what's going on here so i became reliant on on him right so as a, a ignorant 14 year old who hired a developer in india um and and, and why I, I, I why i say hire a developer in india is because that created a a gap a, a you know he was very far away not so as much like, accountability not, yeah exactly like, right. and, I, I couldn't walk around to his house and go, "Hey, what's going on with this?" Hmm. It was very much like he lived in a different world hmm. um, to, to where I lived in the sense from, from a geographic perspective hmm. um, so it was really it was it was a tough time. Um, it was really stressful um, and I persevered and persevered and I made no money and just built 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 for three and a half years.
0: And, and when you say built 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 build. I mean, is this in the face of like complaints from from, from, from customers? So this was and, like, and when you say build, what exactly does that mean in this context? So so this was the this was a technical build really. So ah, I de- okay. so I
1: designed it out. Yeah. But then after that it was technical and it was just technical it was just those technical this doesn't work well, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be done. And, you know, this needs to be redesigned, and we need to redesign this, and we need to do this. And it was, it was and a, cons- it was a battle. Yeah, resources. it was literally. It was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was just, I was just spending money and spending ah. time, and spending mm. everything I had. Mm. Um And literally all the work I put into it was just me putting in work to the project, putting in money to the project. And I got to a stage where I said, well, I put so much money, mm-hmm. so much effort, mm-hmm. so much time mm. that, you know, a little bit more, and it, it's worth it because I've there's, there's so much sunk cost that a little bit more, and then it would be finished. I oh, a little see. bit more, that'll be finished. A little bit right. more, it'll right. be finished. Right. It was almost I like so a many lessons hole. from. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. And, mm. you know, anyone, any lateral thinking person, and I got... I got very emotionally involved in the business because I've worked so hard for it. Right. I worked, um, I, I hired someone that uh, wasn't, wasn't 100% competent or capable to do, to do the job, and I knew it, but yet I kept going. Mm. Uh, I allowed someone to create a system mm. that uh, other developers and myself couldn't understand. Mm. I didn't have a CTO or a co-founder that I could share worries and share concerns with, and a, and a co-founder. The biggest thing I have is that I would hate to have a co-founder who is like me.
0: Tell me, tell me exactly what you mean by that.
1: I, why teams work, in my opinion. The best teams are, are diverse teams. Hmm. So if you have a founder, hmm. if you have a co-founder... For me, I'm a marketing person. I like sales. I like um, making things look good. I like uh, creating branding visions. I like creating Facebook ads, Mm -hmm. social media strategies, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I want my co-founder to hate all that stuff. And I want my co-founder to be very technical. I want him to be right down into the numbers. Or I want him to have so, like something, I, if if I could find someone who's polar opposite to me in every way possible, mm. um, I would I would try to do any, anything and everything in my power to try and make him a co-founder in any venture that
0: I was starting. Because um, can I, can I mm-hmm. ask? It, yeah, it, 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 could that be? Is that an ideal? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is an ideal. Mm-hmm. But um, as much as it is an ideal, does that? Is that? that like if it came down to it how desirable is that so someone who is like a complete counterbalance mm-hmm. because I mean um, I, I understand where you're coming from but mm. but but another important um, facet of like a team dynamic is cohesion mm-hmm. so I, I, I just wonder like mm-hmm. that you know present a problem in this mm. you know in a particular yeah. context
1: um. Yeah, I mean, totally, I think that, I think there needs to be a coherent macro vision. Hmm. So, as long as there, you know, when I say someone who's polar opposite to me in in, in every way, hmm. I guess the only thing that, sorry, I should have clarified that, I guess the only thing that needs to be consistent would be the macro vision of where the business should go. Got it. So, um, and I don't mean polar opposite to me Is in, you know, we hate each other and we disagree mm-hmm. on everything and, right. and we just, you know, oh, get him away from me. And, yeah. you know, he wants, you know, he sleeps all day and he has no energy and I'm bursting with energy and I'm, you know, it's, it's not that extreme. I mean, in terms of, uh, in terms of knowledge, in terms of the tools and resources that they use, in terms of right. what they like and what they don't like to do, so, the micro of everything that they do and mm. know and like needs to be polar opposite to everything that I do, mm. know, and like. So, but then the macro vision of where the business should be and what we want to do with it should remain consistent. Okay. So, so there's a functionality. So, so yeah, exactly. So, mm. it's a functional polar opposite. Makes so, sense. But what I found is as well is that people who are polar opposite to me in character, in in every way shape and form I work best with because it's just I appreciate and understand how how different they are and I use that to my advantage so um, you know if, if there's a, a massive sales call and I need to be on with someone who's extremely extroverted I would that would be something that I would do and if something needs to be coded out or developed in, in a mathematical manner or if it's something to do with you know, complex numbers or whatever. I would, I would then get uh, my my co-founder to do it. Um, and I think it's just, you know, there's equal amount of work there, mm-hmm. but it's just I want there to be like a, a polar opposite in terms of the micro diversity
0: so. in ideation. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I want to go back to mm-hmm. um, this aha. Did, mm. I, did I just butcher the pronunciation? No, no, you did oh. So you get to this point where you, where it's you know it's so
1: clear diversity in execution, but I guess coherence in in
0: in ideation. Does that make sense? Diversity in execution, co- yes. Yeah. Coherence in ideation. So guys, diversity in execution, coherence in ideation. I love that. <laughs> um, okay, so we get back to this. Let's go back to so aha, it's mm-hmm. quite clear at this point that mm-hmm. you know I've put so much um time and effort into this mm-hmm. and you have to come to that realization that mm. you know I just don't understand the technical idiosyncrasies um mm-hmm. of this business um you know the the the, the product mm-hmm. itself is not functioning in the way that I would like yeah at what point do you abandon it <sighs> well
1: At at what point did I abandon it? It's as if I, through the latter, you know, so it took three years of three and probably three and a half years of building. Hmm. And in the latter year and a half, two years, was a point where I abandoned all lateral thinking and based it on emotion and based it on previous sunk costs. I see. So it was a... Continual demise of my interest and excitement. Oh God! In the business mm. and belief in the business.
2: Mm.
1: So it w- there was a continual demise there for mm. the latter of the two years, mm. uh, despite the fact that my emotions were making it, making me give more money to it, mm. um, and then. It's only when I fell in love with another idea or another space did I decide to do things to do two things at once, to the demise of one and to the advantage of the other.
0: Very, very interesting. And you know, what's blowing my mind about this is at mm-hmm. this point you're still under sixteen and you know you're 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 grappling with yeah. all these ideas and these concepts and these kind of mm-hmm. personal realizations or emotions. Mm-hmm. Um what was this new idea?
1: So when so, if we go, I was 15 when I sold, when I sold Ranking Solutions, and then when I was 16, so 17, so I was about 17 years old. About come, yeah. So about about 17, I uh, I sold Aha, and sold it to someone. I said, look, listen, here here are all the problems with it. Mm. I was very upfront. Here's all the problems with it. Here's mm. everything that's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I have all these connections. As in, I have all these people that, because the, the marketing and selling side of Eha was something that I could easily do and something that I had to stop myself doing because the technical side wasn't right. There was no mm. foundation there. Okay. And there was no cash flow. Mm. So it was the worst business in the sense that I was starting. Mm. But I couldn't complete orders, so I would get I would get payment offers. Mm. Okay, we will give you thirty thousand dollars to advertise this banner ad on across these platforms mm. or this pop up. I would say, great. Hold that thought. Mm. <laughs> Let me get back to you in two weeks. Right, and it would so I I just lost so much money. Um. So sorry to answer your question. I was about 17, and I sold uh, my, uh, sold I A- sold EHA, yeah. yeah. And uh, then I did my leaving cert, so one year, which was full of, I had an idea in my mind, but I didn't fully execute on it because of, I wanted to prioritize my my leaving cert, um, which I hated, like I, I, I hated having to study and all the stresses and worries of doing the final exams and all that, mm. um, and I did, that and then soon, the day after my last Leaving Cert exam, I, I, um, I started designing and developing a website for my new idea, which was a gluten-free community. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, am I going too fast? Am I, will I slow it down? No, no, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, right, I'm
0: right here with you because this was around the time that we met. Exactly, Right. yeah. So we met early days Zeliac um celiac being the name of, of sorry yeah Deliac,
1: yeah Deliac was a name was a business was a mobile app for those who are on a gluten free diet so those who are suffered with celiac disease hmm. um those who um yeah who had gluten intolerance or didn't or didn't have gluten for whatever reason mm-hmm. um that that is um and I created an app that uh allowed people who are on that diet to find restaurants that cater to their requirements Mm. and then offered an additional value incentive, uh, which was a discount free drink. Mm. Uh, a lot of time it was for free Prosecco. Um, yeah. And it basically was a marketing platform for restaurants to market their gluten free offerings. And, um, yeah, it was, um, so I started, I didn't create any barriers for myself. I didn't have the money for it because I I blew it all on Aha. Mm-hmm. I sold it, but I had to pay back, you know, so much debt and stuff that I had to pay off for Aha. Okay. I was still suffering from like the, you know, it's it is when you when you emotionally invest in business, you know, and and that was one of my biggest mistakes. And I, and I realized my mistakes at the time. Okay. I realized that I was too emotionally involved. Mm. I realized that I was too. Uh, that I was too trustworthy towards um, uh, external developers. I knew Mm. that I needed a CTO. Mm. I knew that the business wasn't going to work. I knew that everything, I knew all the problems, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and yet I just, almost like I gave up on it. But I, I, I kept it there for my own sanity
0: interesting
1: <laughs> does that make sense so it's just like, yeah i'm trying to grapple with that um it's almost like ahab became part of my identity because i used to work all day and all night on it right and i didn't want to give up on something that i worked so hard towards and so i persevered right. in in a hope so i was uh, so for the latter two years i was just playing a lottery game hmm. you know hopefully we strike something that works and then this person comes along and this happens and this happens and this happens, hmm. happens. So it was Prior part, to like, you selling it. Yeah, prior to right, me selling okay. it. And when I sold it, I, you know, mainly I just sold the client lead list that I built. And I just mm. said, hey, listen, so here are the contacts and connections that you need to contact. Here's who you need to reach out to, you, need, mm. you know, all the rest. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it was quite, um, yeah, so I, I lost a lot of sense of self mm. when I, I lost a part of myself or my sense of self when I sold that business. Um, but I just felt like this massive release and relief that it was gone because it was weighing me down and it was mm. making me dislike something that i 'm that I love and that i 'm really passionate about, and that is building a, a, a building a business
0: This is so interesting because I mean I think that's this sentiment you just expressed there mm-hmm. I think it's something that you know a lot of people can relate to, mm. which is, you know, fostering certain habits mm. or a particular thing that now informs their identity <laughs> that yeah. they know, you know, they'd probably be better off, mm. y- you know, getting rid of, but for whatever reason, you know, it, it, it's part of your identity, yeah. right? So you you you, you keep mm. You keep it in, in, in yeah. proximity.
1: Even if it's toxic to you and it's draining you, in yes. you know, a financial or moral sense. So, Happens in relationships all the time, whether that be friendships or marriages or whatever, people still go. People keep going because of the safety and security they feel. Mm. It happens in employment as well. People feel that, oh, well, I'm earning money. I have a mortgage, oh, yeah. I have families, I have this, I have that, I've got security, I like mm. this person. With good re with,
0: with good yeah. reason. Though, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. And and like it's t- totally things. lateral thinking, you yeah. know. Yeah.
1: But if they ultimately hate something or despise something, whether that be their spouse or their hmm. or their a good friend of theirs, hmm. they you, you you become reliant on that toxic substance even though it it's, it it basically pulls you down. Um, so it mm. was, it was, and it, in a sense it was bringing me up in the short run, i.e., you know, oh, it's still running, it's still going, two right. more weeks. But right. in the long run, it was bringing me down, and I knew that. Interesting. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I didn't believe for a second—not even one percent of me—sort of believed that it was going to be successful or it was going to be anything. Um, so I kept it for my own sanity and for my own personal selfish reasons. Mm. and it was costing me a crazy amount of money, mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, it was toxic. And so what I also learned from EHA was, I, I mean, EHA was the biggest learning curve for me, and it and, and, and was the biggest learning experience for me, more than un- what university taught me, and more what, uh, what school taught me. It taught me how to deal with people, it mm. taught me how to deal with problems, it taught mm. me how to put out fires, mm. it told me, you know, when to be firm, when to be, it also, also taught me how to sell. It taught me how to problem solve. It taught me how to growth hack. It to, taught me how to, um, it, 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 while the programs didn't work, it, I, I, I was still learning how these Web 2.0 complex web programs worked. Um, and yeah, so it, I, I did learn a lot from it. Mm. Um, and I'm grateful for that. But mm. at the same time, I should have listened to my gut instinct uh, right from the get go. So now, when I believe that something is gone, I don't think of the sunk cost. I just cut it and and move on to something else. Um, okay. And I would never invest. My, I never invest emotionally in that sense in a business. I would always make sure that I have a very lateral thinking approach to it. Um, in the sense that I would never. That I, I that I would always think of the numbers and think of the actual potential rather mm. than my emotional. I I now don't consider businesses as part of myself, but rather a, a tool or a resource that I can leverage rather than something that I consider part of me. So it's a more external thing now rather than something that like, mm. that, like oh no, I am my business, the business is me. Whereas I considered that prior to Aha, but EHA taught me to really separate my two identities.
0: I just want to, mm-hmm want to reaffirm or mm. not sorry not, not not reaffirm restate what you just said. Sure. So you no longer look at businesses as mm-hmm. a part of your personal identity. Yeah. Rather they're an external vehicle that you can leverage. Exactly. So, okay. <laughs> um you spoke about emotional being emotionally attached or emotionally involved in a business. Yeah. Um I can see I mean just listening to you know the story of AHA and how that, you mm. know, kind of unraveled. Um, it's, it's a very interesting illustration of how uh, being overly uh, emotionally attached to, to, to a thing, mm-hmm. could be anything, could be mm-hmm. a relationship, a business, yeah. whatever, uh, can, can lead you <laughs> down a rabbit hole. Right? Mm-hmm. But would it be fair to say though that you do need some like a certain degree of emotional involvement or attachment to your business venture? Even if you are looking at the numbers mm-hmm. and looking at you know what, mm-hmm. what, what is worth it. And investing in <laughs> yeah. and what you know prospective direction yeah to go i think
1: with. yeah, I think there's a clear there's a clear line there's a clear distinction there you need to i think that in order if so if we're talking about entrepreneurship, we're talking about starting a business, you need to love you need to love doing it, you need to love whatever you do hmm. and you need to love entrepreneurship and you need to love starting your own business because it's not a practical thing to do
0: hmm okay,
1: okay, so Tell i me, like,
3: <clears throat> let's so drill. yeah yeah, okay yeah.
1: so. I um, think that entrepreneurship, I mean, you know, 99% of businesses fail. Uh, well, that's something so around around that figure or whatever it is. I don't know the actual statistic. Probably mm. should have looked that up. Mm. Um, uh, it's a very, it's uh, it. so it brings a lot of stress. Mm. It brings a lot of financial concerns and worry. Mm. It, brings, uh, mm. it brings a lot of expenditure. It brings a lot of Uh, personal problems like Mm. family and relationships and a lot of Mm. strains you have to work incredibly hard Mm. and the return that you get especially in the short run is normally very very little very very small and it's only if you love it so much can you persevere with it and start only if you love it so much can you start and persevere with it and do everything in your power to make it work because if you don't love it then you'll give up because it's, it's, right. I mean, starting your own business is, is an insane thing to do, and it still is. And I don't understand why, why it's so glorified, because it's ridiculously tough, it's ridiculously difficult. And while it's ridic- ridiculously rewarding, mm. those rewards don't come in the short run, they come in the long run. Okay,
0: so it's, 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 it's a long-term it's a, process. Yeah, there's no, there's a, no getting around that. Yeah, it's and desperately
1: I, impractical, and it's huh. so not something that I would advise or recommend to anyone who didn't love it.
0: Very interesting, and I, I, I suppose I'm very glad that you, you shared that because mm. um, entrepreneurship now is very <coughs> sexy, right? Yeah. Um, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Mm. It, it sounds cool. You put yeah. it on your Instagram, on your yeah. LinkedIn, and all of a sudden I'm yeah. an entrepreneur. Um, and I've spoken to certain individuals who have mm-hmm. branded themselves in this way, mm-hmm. um, but I've gotten the impression. Mm. Um, and of course I can't say with absolute certainty Mm. because who can but I've often gotten the impression that they perhaps have, um, they don't have a, a they're not very well acquainted with the very real, very tangible uh, challenges involved Mm -hmm. uh, with being an entrepreneur, and you know the the the, the mental volatility that mm. follows from you know the uncertainty mm-hmm. and the, the anxiety, the yeah. fact that you might have to sacrifice your relationships, your 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 physical health, yeah. your, your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, what what piece of advice would you give to um, somebody who has an entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. right, and is looking at this kind of <laughs> uh, entrepreneurial culture, mm-hmm. you know this very kind of trendy mm-hmm. entrepreneurial culture, but doesn't quite know if they have the the, the stomach for the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really want to jeopardize their relationships mm-hmm. or their physical health. Is there a way, like just from your point of view, is there a way? Mm -hmm. around that so i i I know is there a way to dip your toe in the water yeah i mean how do i how do i fan that flame within myself that 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 tells me you know what you're an entrepreneur you want to think outside the box you want to try new things but i still want a certain level of security yeah you because i do have kids or even if i don't have kids i I just like i like security yeah what, what what I know this, this is yeah this it's, is a question. it's a tough to answer, question it's a tough question because everyone's
1: yeah. I, I hate giving black blanket statements like mm. everyone should do this, and everyone should do that, and everyone should is an entrepreneur everyone's not an entrepreneur all this mm. um what I think is that if you're having all these doubts and all these uncertainties mm. from the get go mm. you're probably not an entrepreneur if you're already worried prior to starting and if mm. you're if you're at a point where you're not In a position to to, if you're not in either mental or mental state to 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 take the risk Mm. of let alone just starting Mm. then you're probably not in a good place to start a business that being said that you know i can't i can't say that for everyone and i I think i think most people if they're debating starting a business Mm. Um, you know they're, they're watching a few motivational videos, mm. and they look at you know uh, the found you know Mark Zuckerberg and all the rest, and they watch The Social Network, and mm. they want a piece of the pie. Mm. Um, but they're, they're they're risky. It's scared, and you know the worst thing is is that people are trying to find a business idea. Mm. Oh yeah, I really want to start a business. I haven't, I'm trying to think of an idea. I've like. Heard I'm trying that. to. You so know, many times. I just don't have the idea um, mm. and I think, you know, ideas mean absolutely nothing and I just hate, you know, everyone has an idea. A million people had an idea for, the, for, for Uber before Uber came along. Mm. Some people had the idea of, you know, a, a phone that could play music and do all the rest. many mm. people had the idea to do, uh, to set up a, oh, I don't know, the, I mean, what's... what's Everybody has, every, an, idea has an idea for I'm thinking you know. about this app. You know, How many times have you like, heard that? Exactly. Like, <laughs> if, I, if I put everyone who did, you know, if I put, you know, a thousand people into a lecture hall mm. and we could go around and share all the ideas that everyone has and we can predict, you know, 60, 70, probably 80% of the next billion pound, billion dollar startups over the next 10, 15 years. So, sorry, <laughs> we're, we're diverting here onto ideas. But I think that if you haven't started and you just haven't had that, that that real, real yearning to actually go and do it, mm. um, then you're probably not the, I mean, you have to take away, if, I, if you didn't watch a social network, if you didn't consume all this information from mm. all these, you know, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, whoever, mm. um, if you didn't consume all that information, would you still be on the trajectory of starting your own business or not? Without all the glorification of it? Without all the glorification, would you still And that's to what you really it? need to ask. And it's a hard mm. question
0: to ask, and a lot of
1: people can't answer it. And then from there, what I would say is is that if you can't answer that question or if you're still uncertain about whether you, if you still sort of want to dip your toe in the water, mm. then you dip your toe in the water. Mm. And what I mean by this is that you figure out a business that you actually want to do, that you're actually passionate about, mm. and go out there. You can start right now. Like, literally, you can start a business like... Someone listening to this podcast, how long? How long have we been on on now? For
0: I'd like, say over an hour. Over an hour. Yeah. Oh God.
1: yeah. We, we originally planned this for half an hour. Okay. Yeah, that's just how the cookie <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, you can literally so <laughs> in, in in the past hour, if I had a business idea that I really loved, that I really had a fire for, mm. in this past hour, I could have had a domain name set up, mm. have a website set up, mm. done a Facebook ad. Mm. And At least got one person interested in something that I wanted to sell and that in total would have probably cost me about Realistically probably about 35 40 pounds So the price of a meal for two at Pizza Express Mm. Or Nando's or wherever you want to go Mm. is the price of starting and getting a customer to a business Can you believe that? Isn't that isn't that really? Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and, it and, is. And by the way, people people so that's why I hate when people, you know, say, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur and I have a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies and all the rest mm. and yet don't have anything to show for it. Right because it is the easiest thing to do is so to get something going, Dip get your something toe, going.
0: right? Get the domain name, you know. you know, go on Wix, set up a website, Exactly. create an Instagram page, exactly. whatever, tell it to, you know, speak on this idea to a friend, Absolutely. a colleague, a family member, Absolutely. anyone.
1: And just shout it from the rooftops. So, I mean, the, the, the process that I would go through, I mean, how I started Deliac is actually quite interesting. So Deliac obviously is the app and I didn't have money. I, I lost a lot of a sense of self. I was in a, you know, in a bit of a bad place and I was, you know, because I, I lost you know, the business and I sort of had a bit of doubt about whether I was a good entrepreneur or not. Mm. Um, and I, um, I, you know, I left school and I'm switching to university and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of this mm. and a lot of that, all these excuses, right? But I still registered the domain name, created the website mm. and started creating Facebook ads. Interesting. And I, what I did was, from the get-go, uh-huh. I just said, hi, we're building an app for the gluten-free community. Yes. Register your interest. So they filled out their name, they filled mm. out their email address, and they clicked mm. register interest. And I think I probably... Oh, f- yeah. on face- on this, yeah, this was on Facebook? Yeah, this was on a website, a website? And, I drew, and I drove them through Facebook to ads. Facebook. Makes sense. And I got over 2,000 people hmm. who were celiac, hmm. who lived in Ireland, hmm. onto an email list hmm. prior even
0: starting to build the app and how much did it cost you to put probably about 250 quid interesting 300 quid but
1: that was over two months
0: over two months yeah so Wow so for 300 200 300 quid
1: now Facebook ads are a bit more expensive now yes so I would increase that by about 40 50 percent okay today Mm. but that's still not a lot of money if you break it down to every week Mm. So, well, that's 40, 40, 50 quid a week, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a so, bit more. Yeah, something uh, uh, else. Yeah, 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 that does. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mental math's not a thing. that would be a take it over there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and uh, I got 2,000 people, and I used to get emails every day. I mm. got comments on Facebooks every day. I got Facebook messages every day. When's the app coming out? Can you add this restaurant? Can you do this? Can you do that? I really want this. And people who were celiac, Mm. People who I met right. when I said I was on uh, at that time I was on a gluten-free diet, people who I met in Trinity in Ireland mm. on a gluten-free diet mm. were pitching Deliac to me. Not knowing that, that I was you the were behind it. Yeah. That,
0: that must have been such a trip.
1: And there were people I remember every time, because celiacs talk about them being celiac. Mm. And anything new in the gluten-free community they're quite responsive to mm. and I, I identified a niche identified a problem and i identified a solution mm. i spent 350 quid which you know if you can't generate if, if, you, if you live in the uk or the us or canada or wherever you can generate 350 quid mm. okay you mm. just can mm. you know mm. and You can create a nice logo Mm. and i think this is incredibly important because people think oh logo doesn't matter name doesn't matter yeah names and logos don't really matter but you need to be able to present yourself in such a way that is appealing both to your audience and to potential investors
2: Mm.
1: so and also it gives you you know if you have your own website that you go onto, that you know if you open up your laptop every day and go onto your own website and you see it and you think oh this is mine i love it yeah yeah That, that 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 self-esteem that that gives you, that ego, that whatever right, you want right. to call it, that maybe... Builds momentum. Builds, builds momentum within yourself, mm. right? Mm. It really does because it really allows you to almost like envision what it's
0: going to be by mm. pretending that it is already. That, 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 that's beautiful because I think sometimes what happens is mm. people can get into this, um, this mental state where mm. they are thinking about a venture. Mm-hmm. You know, they've philosophically run through this venture <laughs> front to back <coughs> to front yeah. again, mm-hmm. right? And that almost induces this false sense of, 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 of accomplishment yeah. in that they've kind of hashed out this idea, mm-hmm. they fleshed it out, yeah. they have all the compartments and they can tell you about, and I've been guilty of this <laughs> myself, I know <laughs> if I'm speaking, I'm sti- I'm speaking yeah. from. You know, primary primary experience, mm. and that almost makes you feel like, oh yeah, I've got this, I've mm. done something. Whereas you, you you really haven't. I mean, apart from mm-hmm. having articulated this this yeah. idea, mm-hmm. this concept, yeah, it's not enough. You really do have to take the next step, any step, yeah. any step, to actually you know transforming this mm. from just a mere concept to something tangible.
2: And and
1: there's so many reasons why people don't. Firstly, they think they're, a lot of the time, A, they build their own roadblocks. They build their own barriers to entry, which we talked about before. So, oh, I need to read this book, I need to do this, I need to be able to have this, I need to have this money, I need to have that. Mm. Like, for for me to build DELIAC at that time, I didn't have any personal money. Mm. Um, I didn't have money. Uh, I lost just, just, just lost my business, mm. that, and, and I still had a lot of problems going on with that previous business, what that, that previous business caused me. Uh, there was a lot of self-doubt there. There were a lot of personal problems there, um, both in a financial and, some in, and in so many other ways. I moved to a university from school, so there were a lot of changes in life. Mm. And there was so much going on, yet I didn't create any barriers for me to start an app. Despite, despite not having an app. So I literally just went and I did it. And I didn't do any, I didn't do a business plan. I didn't do a cash flow prediction. I didn't do all these documents that you need to do. I didn't, I didn't even incorporate the business. I just started. I just went out and did, and, and did what, what you're supposed to do later on. Mm. I just started immediately. And I was able to generate, I had hundreds of people on, a, on an email list within 48 hours of starting, mm. of starting.
0: Okay, and, and this was just yeah, from, like literally from, from the ads.
1: The first Deliac logo mm. cost me five dollars on Fiverr. Mm. Okay, five dollars, and it was a nice logo at the it time. It was a really nice logo, yeah. I remember. And then I got another logo later on for twenty-five dollars. Mm. Okay, so the website, the theme cost me twenty dollars again,
0: mm.
1: and the Facebook ads. You know, I put a lot of money in Facebook ads mm. because they worked, mm. and I just had a Mailchimp form and I just. Was just, uh, it was just—it was a lot. Of, it just built that interest, and um, also what people got to remember is—is is that you know, y- you build that for yourself, mm. but you also build it for your potential audience. So you have people on a list, and you have people that actually want to do business with you before mm. you even have anything ready, which mm. is always an, always a nice feeling, and it's mm. always a proof of concept. The best proof of concept, rather than going to a consultancy firm, rather than speaking to those people about it—well, mm. speaking to those people about it—the best way, but is to go out there and advertise it as mm. if you have it already, mm. fake it till you make it.
0: Mm. A lot of businesses start by faking it until they make it, you in- know? Interesting, because mm. I mean, this is a very important point, mm. because even in planning, planning for this podcast, mm. you know, I had certain, you know, I would constantly tell myself, oh, you know, maybe I don't have everything that I, <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know everything that I want to say yet. Um, mm. I don't have enough guests Right, you know, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of enough guests to be able to sustain mm. um, consistency over, you know, x amount of months. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I have to create an Instagram page. Oh my God, mm. I have to start writing blog posts, and yeah. I just want to like this. What we're doing now like yeah. what really gets me excited. Just, yeah. just the conversation and asking the questions. And you so know, you created so many down.
1: barriers for yourself before you
0: just press record. Yes. Yeah. And whereas, I, whereas
1: what did you actually need to do in order to start
0: a podcast? Well, I just needed to get my recorder, Yeah. which I did. Um, I remember thinking, oh, my God, it's going to cost me so much money. Mm. Um, I, I read you know, different articles. They're like, oh, you need 2,500 euros mm. to get this mixer and that thing and this and that, yeah. and that. And it ended up costing me less than 300 euros. Yeah. To start. And by the way, you didn't
1: even need to spend that money. You could have just used your, your, your iPhone microphone, which I know is not ideal,
0: <laughs> but it's a start yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean I suppose looking back on it now, that mm-hmm. would have been better than like just that, that mental yeah. torture that I was yeah. going through. Um, so I mean it's something that I think a lot of people can 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 relate to, these yeah. mental barriers. Yeah. Um, I'm conscious of the time.
1: Don't be oh yeah,
0: you've got to but you've I got have, to ahead the, you got ahead in a bit, don't you? Yes, but I've I've got loads of questions, right? Awesome. So if we can't get through everything, mm-hmm. I mean I know I'm, I'm going to see you again, and I'm sure we can do a we can do a follow up. Of course, um, yeah, I would love to I'd be would this. Yeah, um, but 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 really quickly, mm-hmm. can can we just run through how the story of Deliac unraveled? Then, so you got mm-hmm. your mailing list, and then what? Just what, what yeah. Was that so
1: like? what I realized is that, um, and this is for anyone who wants to raise money for their business. What, mm. what people have to understand is is that. Um, People look at people with money and they think, oh, my God, they're such a God. They're so intelligent. They're so this. They're so that. And they infer values and attributes and basically characteristics and all the rest on people who have who've got money or people who are investors um, that are quite false and create more barriers in, in itself. Mm. And so and, and I had that mindset as well until I actually met investors. And what you realize is there they're people just like you. people just like your audience so an example of a typical angel investor Mm. these days Mm. right, is especially nowadays as someone who worked in a big business you know he went to university he had Mm. a few pints you know Mm. he had a fun time with his friends Mm. Uh, then he was like right I'm gonna go to work he did the interviews he started working He built his way up in the company, and it was just a natural progression. He just day in, day out worked for a normal business, and that was fine. And then eventually he got promoted, and then uh, now he's sitting on money because he just saves his money. So just he's not, you know, a god. He's mm. not a. He's not some king of, you know, whatever. Right. He's not some, you know, crazy figure. He's just a normal human being who mm. worked his way up in a business, just like, you know. A lot of people do, mm. and, and what a lot of angel investors today—they they see the success of Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. they see the success of Bill Gates and, mm-hmm. and Elon Musk and mm-hmm. all these big entrepreneurs. They mm-hmm. see companies like Stripe, mm-hmm. who were Irish, you know, two Irish brothers who started, and they see that all the success that those businesses are having,
2: mm.
1: and they want a piece of the pie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, some normal guy. Out there, who's just like your audience, who's Mm. just like your customer, Mm. okay, is interested, uh, watched the social network, was inspired by it, and decides, yeah, I want a piece of that pie, that's cool. And he can be influenced just as your audience is influenced. And what I mean by that is that if you, uh, rather than, you know, okay, have business plans and have the cash flow statements because they're the requirements that you need to have in order to raise investment because that's what society have told us that we need to raise investment. Hmm. But the real thing they're interested in is what you have right now. If you have an email list or a list of people that, you know, if you have an email list of 2,000 people who are Hmm. interested in your business. right. If you have a, an amazing website, an amazing logo, mm. they're buying into that vision, they're buying into that idea mm. much more, and that's much more valuable and that's much more convincing than a 200-page than a business plan. Mm. I didn't do a business plan for Deliac.
2: Mm.
1: I didn't do a cash flow statement for Deliac. I set up a website, mm-hmm. I set up a, a really nice Facebook ads, mm. and I set up an email list of 2,000 people, mm-hmm. and I said the proof is in the pudding. And is this what you said to? I said to an investor. Wow. And how? And he offered me money.
0: I turned it down. You turned it down. Turned it down. And what was? Because that? I didn't need it. So why were you there?
1: Because I only because I only realized after that I didn't need it. But I wanted to. I was, there was there were many reasons why I why I I did that meeting that meeting in particular. It was. Oh God, it's it's hard to explain, but I guess a I wanted to prove that I could raise money to it, mm. re- could raise money for it. So it's sort of like a an ego booster, mm. an ego booster also for the business. Mm. Um, it was also to yeah, I mean, really, it was just for that reassurance that I'm on heading in the right trajectory. Hmm. And I, and I don't know whether I really needed that or not, but that's why I did it. So that reassurance that what I'm doing is right. Right. And that's totally contradictory to everything I just said about he's just a normal guy who has the money uh, saved up. Right. 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 But I wanted to prove myself that my theory was right. Interesting. And prove to myself that Deliac could raise money and therefore could work. So, and then as soon as that happened, the whole anguish about Delia, uh, sorry, the whole anguish about Eha was
0: just removed right because you it disappeared you it almost kind of reinvigorated yourself exactly exactly self-belief exactly exactly and
1: that belief in in that business so i was really um yeah and that got me really excited and it proved my proved my point about um how a lot of angel investors or a lot of people who are willing to give you money are just like you and me they just look at who you are they look at your own personal attributes and they look at what you've done so far and have you gotten your hands dirty have you not the worst thing you could do is approach an investor look at my business plan look at my cash flow okay what have you done nothing
0: bye right this is this is this is very fascinating I mean the the amount of value That, that I mean, you've created in this conversation. I mean, just gem after gem after gem. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, uh, thank I, you. I appreciate it. No, it is truly. I mean, seven. I
1: mean, uh, you know, I've been excited about being on this podcast for a long time and I really do admire and honor. Uh, firstly, I'm honored to be here. I'm absolutely flattered that you asked me. I was shocked in a way because I didn't think that. Um, that you know, obviously, you ha- you have so many interesting people that you want to talk to, and obviously, I I, n- I never thought for a second that I never thought for a second when I was growing up that entrepreneurship was cool. I mm. tried to keep it a secret, mm. and uh, I was actually made fun of for it at school a lot, mm. uh, and I hated it, and mm. I tried to keep it as, as secret as possible, and I, and I d- denied that I started businesses and all the rest. Like mm. I hated it. Mm. Uh, and I never thought for a second that I would ever be on a podcast or be in a or you know. Be interviewed in this way. Hmm. Never thought that for a second. Never thought it was cool. It was just something that I loved, and that proved to myself that I never needed the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk or Tony Robbins or whoever to, to psych me up because I was already psyched up myself. Even if everyone hated entrepreneurship, I think that's also going back to the question about um, whether whether you know you should be an entrepreneur or not, you need to think if, if everyone thought entrepreneurship was the worst thing that you could do and it was the most uncool thing and you were a loser if you were an entrepreneur, which is what a lot of people thought back in the day mm. and, of, and what a lot of people
0: thought of me when I was at school doing this, mm. uh, would you still do it? So fascinating. So I mean, how did the Deliac story end?
1: The Deliac story ended pretty, um, I became a growth hacker and I started doing a lot of marketing for Deliac and uh, what I realized was that um, it was that restaurants were living by the skin of their teeth and all rest all all, all small restaurants struggle. Hmm. Okay, there's not you know, other than the Michelin Stars and the McDonalds and the Chains, hmm. other small businesses, other small restaurants struggle to make a profit. Hmm. They really do struggle to make money because of all the expenses they have. Hmm. And so I was Jumping into a market where I was mainly helping small restaurants because big big brands can build their attention quite easily because they've got the budgets to do so Mm. So really the app really helps small restaurants, but those small restaurants couldn't afford To pay that extra mile in order to get a a higher return on investment. They just couldn't take that risk So they were averted to risk and it was a very I was struggling to to convert and to close restaurants on deals and while it did make money on on, the on the on the on the b2c on the consumer side as well um i yeah it was it was a struggle and i struggled with it and i had then that same thing with Aha, with that that i struggled to see where i struggled to see how i was going to bring it to where i wanted to bring it Mm -hmm. which was to and, and not even in a financial sense, just in a sense of where I wanted to grow the app and my vision for it. And once I realized that it would be uh, a
2: struggle—not
1: mm. not that it would be a struggle, because I don't mind the struggle. I just, I just, I didn't see that I was the right fit or that it was the right time and for the business to really go to where I wanted to go. And it was my fault that the reason why the reason why the business is hundred million pound business today is my fault. It, it It's always the, the entrepreneur's fault hmm. you know okay I, I can create a bin bag business tomorrow, hmm. and the reason why it's a 100 million pound business is my fault hmm. that's another story for another day um but I felt like i um I built it to a certain point and i was um I was the wrong person at the wrong time to make it what I wanted. To to basically, <laughs> uh, sort of struggling how to how to structure this. That's but, okay. But are all do friends I? <laughs> uh, and I know you're not going to edit this out. <laughs> so uh, um, I was I was struggling on where I should. I had a vision for it. I had mm. an objective for it, mm. and I didn't see how I was going to achieve that objective. And as mm. soon as I saw that, and it literally took me a day to realize that, mm. I immediately sought to sell it. And I was able to sell it within a few few days um, to someone. And I, you know, and then, because also what I realized as well was that, you know, what's the ROI of my time as well? Because I then realized that the client service side of restaurants, restaurants were getting a higher ROI of social media marketing and other advertising methods more than they were from Deliac. Mm. And I wasn't sure of how to deliver a, a bigger ROI than the likes of Facebook and Instagram. I was basically competing with Facebook and Instagram because Mm. the Deliac's uh, selling point was the attention of consumers, Mm. right? Mm. So I looked at Deliac and I said, well, we don't have enough attention, even though we have a niche amount of attention. Mm. Maintaining that traction, maintaining that momentum, costs a huge amount of money. Mm. Restaurants were unable to uh, take the risk of spending in order to achieve that ROI. And also, they were spending on Facebook and Instagram. Were the, their, if, if they were to spend that money on the likes of Facebook and Instagram advertising, mm. they would have achieved a higher ROI, return on investment, mm. than they would on Deliac. And as soon as I saw that, and I saw I, was very, you know, I wasn't emotional about it, I didn't mm. create Deliac as part of my identity, I immediately went, okay, we've got to cut this. I need to sell it and let someone else, with their own vision and their own tactics, build it. To what I think that they should build it to, and if I still ran Deliac today, if I was hank up to the business, I would probably create it as a media company. So, um, you know, create a a, a website that, uh, or some some platform that would allow um, those on a gluten-free diet to consume massive amounts of value, massive amounts of information about mm. being on a gluten-free diet, what they should eat, what they shouldn't right. eat. So not only a directory of restaurants, but mm. also a directory of anything and everything that they could find useful. So deliver a crazy amount of value at scale. Um, and that's what I would have done if I, if I kept running DELIAC, I and wonder. then leveraged that attention and leveraged that value that I put out um, mm. to, to actually make money. So whether that's advertising other brands, mm. whether that's um, you know, creating products and services, whether that's creating upsells, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The fact is, is that if you're able to bring in a mass amount of people with a shared interest, with a shared niche, mm. uh, and provide value and provide that rapport, uh, provide that relationship, mm. um, and cr- become that media business, mm. um, then you can. Def- then definitely, you have a foundation uh, to, to 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 make money
0: we mailed the invoice to the current owner (laughs) that was just free business consultation (laughs) there Um, Uh, amazing amazing and you know the way that you 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 mm. know you churn out these 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 ideas and these Mm. concepts i mean it's clear that you know you are even though you're just 22 years old you are a tenured entrepreneur and you Mm. you know you've 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 dealt with the adversity. Yeah. you've had the ups and downs, and you've yeah. had experience um, with strategy and mm. dealing with clients and you know yeah. Yeah, c- customer acquisition things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, just very it's very fascinating to, you, you know, you're not you're not someone who's just on the bandwagon of sexy entrepreneurship. Oh, you yeah. Know.
1: In fact, I I really don't. I mean, I'm I'm gonna start doing some self promotion, some personal branding, for the consultancy that I do in a marketing sense mm. because I believe that obviously people work with people mm. and I think that uh, it's more effective and I achieve a higher ROI if I market myself as a person rather than a social buff or small square. Mm. Um, but other than that, I I, I sort of, I, I, I'm, I'm very worried about this whole entrepreneurship boom that we're having mm. because there are a lot of people who get so inspired by the likes of Gary Vee and Tony Robbins or mm. whoever, mm. maybe mm. Richard Branson, it doesn't mm. matter, uh, and then go out and apply for loads of credit cards, run up huge debts, mm. thinking that they're going to make millions and then crash out. And, you know, people, you know, there, there's a lot of hardship in entrepreneurs, there's a lot of suicides lot of stresses there's mm. a lot of anxiety mm. there's you know obviously you know ahab became part of my sense of self mm. you know and if i didn't you know snap out of that and start another business mm. or if i didn't have the support mechanisms that i had to move on um you know that could cause and could cause real problems for people especially if they're in a bad place already mm. so um I, it is very very worrying to see loads of people starting their own business and I, and, I don't, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. And you know there are so there's so many great intelligent people out there, and you don't need to be an entrepreneur to be a millionaire you don 't need to be an entrepreneur to to make a difference you don't need an entrepreneur to you know
0: to to to, to achieve great things in life I just want to to uh-huh. emphasize that again you don 't need to be an entrepreneur to be a millionaire mm-hmm. don 't need to be an entrepreneur to mm-hmm. make a difference
1: yeah because literally i mean you could you know you could join an early stage business Mm. that's making money and that's doing well and Mm. say hey i'm really good at coding or i'm really good at marketing or i'm really good at whatever i'm really good at speaking i'm Mm. really good at sales whatever whatever you're good at i don't care Mm. um heck you'd be really good at making cupcakes and go to a cupcake business and that business could grow into a crazy big enterprise one day Mm. um and you know, if you're in that early stage, you can definitely make millions out of it, you can definitely grow, and it can be part of your identity, and or, or, you, know, it, it can, it, you know, you can truly achieve great things within other businesses, and I do believe that. A lot of entrepreneurs don't believe that, whereas I believe that you can actually really be able to achieve a lot, not only for yourself, but for others, by working either with an early stage startup or a business that allows you to, allows you some form of freedom, uh, to use your own intuition and use your own uh, abilities to uh, to um, to carry out your work or to execute mm. on things. So I don't believe that you need to start your own business or create a Facebook page tomorrow mm. or create a website tomorrow in order to, to start something that will make a crazy difference. I think you, a lot of people just need to find that perfect business that, that, that they can work for, that they have the freedom and the ability. You know, there are many businesses out there who allow you to do what you love and do it from your home, or you can do it from a beach in Bali if you wanted to. I live an entrepreneurship life, quote unquote,
0: Mm. while working for someone else. This is very interesting because, you know, this actually answers the question I asked about 15, 20 minutes ago, Mm. which is like, if I do have that entrepreneurial, Mm. you know, Inclination, yeah, but I don't quite want the risk, and you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you can you can join an early stage startup, yeah, you can absolutely, join an, you know an existing yeah. uh, tenured company that yeah. will allow you uh, afford you a role where yeah. you can kind of manifest that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, through your work. So I think it's very interesting that yeah, I mean, employee four hundred and
1: three or f- employee five hundred of Microsoft is probably a millionaire sitting on a yacht right now and you know there's uh, and so and i bet that person is very much fulfilled in a financial and in a in every o- in, in every other sense and i bet he lives an entrepreneurship life that we've been sold to by and the media and by all these people like Gary Vaynerchuk you could totally you could easily have an amazing life mm. working for someone else mm. if and you can do what you love i mean if there's a certain aspect that you love doing if you love designing mm. You can become a chief designer of, uh, in whatever business and work from wherever and do whatever and, and you know work your own hours and achieve whatever you want to achieve within, within that business. It's only when it's, yeah,
0: basically. Yeah. very interesting don't you think oh no i i completely yeah. i completely agree i just didn't want to be kind of imposing my perspective <laughs> on the listeners yeah. um
1: i'm sorry you've been asking
0: all the questions and you told me before this podcast I ask you questions i, don't I know, know but it, I, I i feel like the conversation has kind of um, been flowing organically yeah. i think you know there was no need there's no point asking questions that would ruin the flow yeah, yeah, yeah of i think course we've so, had yeah. great synergy yeah. um, and from my perspective i've thoroughly enjoyed you know the the passion and the enthusiasm you've brought to your answers. Oh, and, thank and you. The um, level of detail. Yeah, um, and honestly,
1: I'm really honoured and flattered to to be on this podcast, and and obviously like I, I didn't I, I didn't even expect it once to to be interviewed or mm. for this to ever happen or. For me to be, you know, for us to be videoing this or anything like that, and mm, it's really mm. some, it's been truly, truly, I'm honoured. And yeah, thank you so much for your time.
0: Appreciate that, brother. Now, before we go, I have a few mm-hmm. questions, but like very quick, amazing. Like, no, fire ahead. ahead. I'm, so, I'm, I'm amazing. So first thing is, you know, what's next for Aaron Spencer? Like, what, what's your vision? What are you trying uh-huh. to? What, 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 what's the mark you're trying to leave on this world? Uh-huh. You know
1: um so I'm going very practical at the moment mm. so I'm going super practical to the point so I'm I remember when i I, I said about I was starting a I didn't want to run a client service business because I was working too much and I was doing everything by hour mm. um what I want to do is I want to build a very very solid foundation over the next 10 years mm. and what that means is is that I want to build a business which I've decided to be a client two client service businesses that work very very closely together. It's basically one business, but two different identities because of two different markets. Mm. So small square and social buff. Mm. Um, and what I've decided to do is I've decided to use um, those two businesses to create an extremely solid foundation mm. uh, in order to do other great things in the future. So uh, what I mean by a foundation is, is that a a very good and consistent cash flow mm-hmm. um, that allows me then to hire great people. Mm-hmm. So great designers, great developers, great coders, great whatever, great, I don't care, whatever they're good at, mm. okay? Mm. Mm. People who are passionate, people who I like working with, people who, you know, who love coming to work every day and, mm. and building that great team, which, mm. is, which is my responsibility to, to make sure that they're happy and make sure that they're fulfilled and mm. whatever else. Mm. Um, uh, so cash flow, people, and I guess an element of security, Mm. Um, and yeah so if I have a team a cash flow an existing business a consulting agency and clients mm-hmm. to doing the things like social media marketing and voice design and all the rest for other businesses mm-hmm. and doing that at scale it provides a very very solid basis to build something else uh, and to build either by businesses so if uh, think for example if a business that I see like Blockbuster before they went bust. Um, mm. I could leverage my team and the resources and the money and everything that I have in my hand mm. to be able to transform the likes of Blockbuster into a business that could be worth billions or hundreds of millions today. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know how I would do that with Blockbuster in specifically, but, right, right, but I'm just right. giving that as an example. Yeah. So businesses, businesses that are either struggling, mm-hmm. businesses that uh, I believe have a lot of potential but are not fulfilling their potential, mm. Or businesses that have not been started yet, that I believe that would be um, that would change the world, or or change an industry, or disrupt mm. uh, how, how 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 yeah disrupt the, the, disrupt the state of play, just to disrupt the state of play exactly yeah. yeah. Finish, but thank you. <laughs> perfect. perfect. Um, but yeah, so I want. Uh, so right now, I'm 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 being patient. I'm building a solid foundation, mm-hmm. building up a cash flow, mm-hmm. building a uh, a team, mm-hmm. and. Uh, making sure that there's that foundation is really really deep and very very solid mm. so that I can go on the Off-fence which basically means that I'm able to uh, Go out and do things that are very very risky and go out and put myself on a on a on a On a limb in order to try achieve something mm-hmm. that's far greater than what I have right now mm-hmm. um, and yet still have a form of safety and security cash flow people and mm. team that I can leverage So resources Mm. to leverage in order to build what I want to build, um, which is hopefully um, a a very, very big business or transforming an existing business.
0: Very, very interesting. Now, another question for Mm -hmm. you. Um, If you could go back to your 14, 15, Mm 16-year-old self, (laughs) knowing everything that you know now, just Mm -hmm. from your journey, what is one piece of advice you would give give to yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's a very good question. Thank you, thank
1: you. (laughs) Um, I would say go find where the attention is, whether that's on social media, whether that's on search, whether that's on websites, whether that's wherever. Go provide as much value as you can. Mm. Leverage that attention and find a solution to the problem that that attention has. So if you find a, you find a niche, and you find people with a certain problem, mm. then find a solution to that problem that they have, mm. provide lots of value, and then mm. leverage that. So for me, I would say that, listen, double down on your strengths. Mm. You, you can't build an ad network, you can't build this business on your own, and you can't just outsource everything. So much, I would say. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but, but um, yeah, I would say f- double down on your strengths and forget about anything that you're not good at. So I was trying to, I was trying to become a developer myself that I truly, absolutely hated, mm. um, in order to try to understand the intricacies and the idiosyncrasies of Aha. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to overcome those learning curves and and dealing with all those stresses. And I said, well, listen, what are you actually good at? Okay, what do you actually love? OK, now double down on those, provide mm. as much value, provide and try to get as much attention as you can and then leverage that in the future. And yeah, so identify what your strengths are and, uh, and then and really, really
0: um, leverage that in the future. Yeah. Powerful stuff. <laughs> um, so another question I have just before rounding up is mm. if you could ask our listeners any question to make them think about things differently. And you get to decide now what things, wow. you know, gets to mean. What would that be? Any question this wow. is for the listeners?
2: Um,
1: what I would ask is is that without your parents, without judgments of other people, if you didn't care what other people thought, if you didn't care what society thought, if you didn't care what, if you didn't have any influences from TV and and. YouTube channels or podcasts that you watch,
2: Mm.
1: what, and if it was, you know, even if it it, it was one of your last days on Earth, um, what would you be doing? Um, And whether that's, you know, playing video games or uh, writing blog posts or eating chocolate, whatever. Mm. Find what you really, really love Mm. and figure out a way to make money from that. And even if you make less money from that in the short run, uh, but there's mo- you can make money from anything, right? Mm. Find what you really, really love. Find what you really find out what gives you that passion, what gives you that fire. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so what I what I would love anyone to do are, is to find out what they love, mm-hmm. find out what what wakes them up in the morning, mm-hmm. and find out how you can make money from that. And it's not
0: it's not hard. It's not hard. Very 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 powerful and I think mm-hmm. you know on a, on a subsequent episode I'd love to drill into that some more so how awesome. does one like say I loved um, I don't know I love critiquing TV shows you know, oh, that's something that I really yeah. love you know I would love to really go through the process of you know mm-hmm. how, how might one if you were acting in the capacity uh, mm. as a consultant for such mm-hmm. an individual, how you would advise them to do it. Yeah. I wonder, could we do that very quickly? So let's mm-hmm. say, um, so I, I, I love watching you know, the, 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 the latest TV shows. So okay. I'm very yeah. big into Game of Thrones and um, whatever else is, mm-hmm. is, is big these days. How do I turn that into something that potentially makes me money?
1: Amazing, so firstly, you've identified an audience, those who love ga- ga- Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've identified an interest Mm. and now you need to go out and provide value So whether that's if you love critiquing Game of Thrones, you can find bloopers So you Mm. can find things that they did wrong. Mm. You can find uh, things that uh, about the tale or about the story that were incorrect I've never watched Game of Thrones, but I know there's like dragons and stuff in it So Mm. oh the dragon had red eyes now. He has blue eyes Mm. Um, You could find interesting facts about the characters or where the where it was set Mm. Heck, You know buy a 20 euro ticket to go to Northern Ireland And go to where they filmed XYZ scene and film around. And you know, you could do so much and you just gotta be creative about it. Or you could just sit on your bed, have a video camera facing you, and have you watching Game of Thrones and just you can film your reactions. There are actual TV shows that do that. I forgot what it's called. I think it's Gogglebox or something like that.
2: Gogglebox.
0: I've not seen it. I've heard
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they film people Mm. watching other programs Mm. and you watch them watching other programs and people love it. Mm. You know, and back in the day, mm. you would have needed to pitch this to a TV show or to pitch this to, uh, you know, to producers or whoever. Mm. Now you just pick up your phone, get a tripod out. Mm. Tripods cost 10 quid. Mm. Microphone probably costs another 50 quid or whatever. Mm. And just go out and do it and then publish it and just keep doing it and be consistent and, and then promote that uh, in itself. Hmm. Um, and um, you know you may not make any money at start in fact you most definitely won't make any money from, from the start but if you love it and you persevere and you keep doing it um, you can certainly make money out of that attention and whether that's whether you make money from the ads that YouTube run whether that makes, whether they make money selling Game of Thrones hats right. whether you make money from you know people sending you donations like it doesn't matter um, the fact is, is that you're doing what you love, which is watching Game of Thrones. Mm. Uh, you're, you're being creative about it, you're mm. creating an audience, you're mm. building a brand for yourself as mm. a Game of Thrones guy, mm. uh, and then you are leveraging that. And whatever way you decide to leverage that is completely up to you, but there are so many ways to do that. And So essentially what I'm trying to say here is that you can make money from, any, any, from anything.
0: Absolutely love that, bro. Guys, so this is what I was getting at when I said, this guy just has a natural knack <laughs> for like entrepreneurship, commerce well that, that that even saying that is kind of misleading in the sense that he has been through a very cumbersome journey to get to this point where he can in 5 minutes tell you how you can you know turn an interest in game of thrones into something that is commercially viable and um, this is part of what makes um, this man so so interesting so <laughs> inspiring has definitely been uh, definitely someone who has inspired me to take more action uh, and to you know Pursue my own interests, uh, including this podcast. Um, So I just want to say I'm really grateful that you know to have you to have had this time. Um, We just graduated on Friday, and I know there are lots of family uh, events that you (laughs) probably need to be attending to. Um, So thanks for taking this time. This was a fantastic conversation. Um, I think the listeners are really like, there's just, we could break this episode into like four or five different segments where you're talking <laughs> about different things that Which is what we talked tangible. about as well, right? Right. So it's it just, um, it's, it, it's been fantastic mm. and guys, look, I, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm sure you enjoyed this, um, listen to it again, don't listen <laughs> just once. Listen to it. If you hear something interesting, r- rewind, take some notes. Uh, play again, you know, give it, a, give it a break, come back to it. But this is a very, very interesting, very powerful, very practical episode. And um, I'm glad to be able to share this with you. And um, look, I'm feeling just, you know, I'm getting like, you know, a, a, an adrenaline rush now just after having um, engaged in this conversation. There are a lot of exciting things to come with this podcast. Watch this space. And guys, see you next time. And um, love you all. Thank you. This has been yet another episode of the Thinkaroo Talks podcast. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed this one. See you next time. Have a great day.
3: La